0: Um, let's open up to Leviticus 23. We are uh, on the fifth feast tonight. Um, just as a little recap, and I do have some more of those sheets. I did print some more up. If you need one of the feast on the one of the papers on the feasts, I've got them back on the back table back there. Uh, but we're on the fifth one, and and uh, you know we've looked we've looked at the first four. There were three three spring feasts. And we've talked about how that those were fulfilled by uh, those were fulfilled by Jesus. We had the the Feast of Passover, which Jesus fulfilled when He when He passed away, when He died. And of course the Feast of Passover from the Old Testament, of course, you know, we told we recounted that story and, and talked about how it was it was it was the, the Feast of Passover was remembrance, was a feast that remembered uh, the, the story or remember the the testimony of how Jesus or how, how the death angel passed over all of Israel there in Egypt when they come out and, and they had the blood on the doorpost and the death angel passed over. Um, and then right after that, the day after Passover, started the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That was a picture of getting sin out of the camp. really The Feast of Unleavened Bread was really a feast to remember how quickly they had to leave Egypt and they didn't have time for the leaven uh, to... to to get in the bread, so um, so God told them for seven days they would, you know, from that point forward, for seven days they would go without yeast in the bread, and um, and that was a picture of Jesus fulfilled that when he was in when he when he was in the grave, the feast of Passover he fulfilled at the crucifixion when he died, the feast of unleavened bread, which means the cleansing of away of sin. Leaven in the Bible was a was a type of sin, a picture of sin. So the Feast of Unleavened Bread was fulfilled when he was in the grave. And then the third feast, which was seven days after that, or three days after that, excuse me, was, uh, was the three days after the, that first Sabbath, uh, was the Feast of first fruits, And that was the, that was the first uh, harvest of barley. It was the, the early harvest, the spring harvest. And, um, and that was fulfilled when Jesus rose from the dead. And the Bible says... That he became our first fruit; that he was he was the first fruit of many to come. So he was the first one resurrected, and we know that, um, you know, and we're and actually we're going to look at that some of those scriptures tonight about that that you know if for those that have passed away, um, that there will come a, a day of resurrection, and if we pass away before Jesus returns, you know, then we will be resurrected. And, uh, and even if we're alive when Jesus comes, we're going to be caught up in the air with him and our bodies will be changed in the twinkling of an eye, it says. So, so we'll look at that tonight. But those three feasts, Jesus fulfilled those all within one week. And those feasts are still they're still celebrated. The Jewish people still celebrate those three feasts, Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and then the, the uh, Feast of Firstfruits. Then um, we, we saw that the, from Firstfruits, from the feast of first fruits, you count forty nine days, and then the next day would be the Sabbath, and then you would celebrate Pentecost. Well, Pentecost was a it, and is still a feast or a you know a, a celebration that they that they celebrate in, in uh, the Jewish people, and it's commemorative of a couple things really, but the original purpose of it that it that it was it was commemorative or remembering when God gave the law to Moses. Remember, on the very first Pentecost, 50 days after the children of Israel came out of Egypt, God gave the law to Moses on, the, on, the, on Mount Moriah there, and that was the first Pentecost, uh, and it was the giving of the law. And then uh, that was when, when he came down and they had made a, made a uh, graven image and, and all that stuff, and the Bible says that 3,000 people that day died. Well, in the New Testament, when you come to the New Testament, the, the Feast of Pentecost was fulfilled after Jesus rose from the dead, and when he told his disciples, he said, wait here in Jerusalem till, till you be endued with power. Well, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2, when the day of, when the day of Pentecost fully come, or fully came, that the Holy Spirit was poured out. And, and that was the fulfillment of that, you know, that New Testament type and shadow. And the fulfillment was when the Holy Spirit was poured out, and which was symbolic of the birth of the church. And that was, that was the Feast of Pentecost. And, you know, in all of these feasts, like we said, in the Old Testament... Uh, you know, in one of the, I was going back through these notes here again, and that one uh, statement that Saint Augustine said that in the Old Testament, the New Testament is concealed, and in the New Testament, the Old Testament is revealed. And you know that is so true. How how that like in the Old Testament, we, when we when we read about these feasts here in Leviticus, you know the the New Testament principles are concealed in these scriptures. And at the time they had no idea, they knew that God told them to keep those holy days and to keep those festivals and, and, you know, he said, you'll do this forever. And, you know, so they knew that, but they had no idea when when that was going on that that was a picture or a type or shadow of what Jesus would do, what the Holy Spirit would would do. And then, of course, what we're going to look at tonight, the three, uh, or start to look at tonight, the three fall feasts are yet to be, um, yet to be fulfilled and we're living for for the church, for you and I, we are living in the time frame between Pentecost and the Feast of Trumpets. That's where we are prophetically. That's where we are as a church and as a, you know as as far as biblically speaking, we're right there in between the Feast of Pentecost and it's about the Feast of Pentecost happens um, in May or June, and then there's a there's a time period from that time from May or June to September to October. Um, in that time frame, that nothing happens. There's no feast. If you remember, God told God told them. He said, "There's three feasts that every male, 20 years old and older, that can that can fight. That was the you know that was one of the kind of that, that was how they numbered their people. They a lot of times they numbered their people by the, the by the number of men that were military age. You know, and that was 20 years old and up. And he said, three times a year, you you will go." to Jerusalem to, to celebrate these feasts. The first one was Passover. The second one was Pentecost. And the third one was the Feast of, Ta- or the feast of Tabernacles, which is the, the third, the last feast. But now check this out. <clears throat> Think about what those three feasts represent. The Feast of Passover re- represents our redemption. You know, when Jesus died, and His blood was spilt for us, and His blood covered us. The second one that, that, that every male had to go to was the Feast of Pentecost, which represents for us the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The third one, which is the Feast of Tabernacle or the Feast of Tabernacles, which we hadn't got there yet, but, but that is symbolic of the resurrection. And those three things, it's interesting because those three things, here's, here's what that represents. All three of those things, your redemption, being filled with the Holy Spirit, and your resurrection, Nobody can do those things but you. In other words, your wife can't do it for you, your mom and dad can't do it for you. You have to have your redemption, you have to do that for yourself. In other words, nobody else can accept Jesus Christ for you but you. When it comes to being filled with the Holy Spirit, nobody else can fill you with the Holy Spirit except for you. <laughs> you know I mean, you can't say, "Hey, go get that for me." You know that's something that you have to do. When it comes to resurrection, guess what? you have you're the one that's going to be resurrected not somebody else so all three of those that god told them that that those three feasts you will present yourself to in jerusalem as you know so that you can celebrate that those three feasts are all things that represent something that we have to do personally and i believe that's a picture what that what it, what that is a picture of is just the fact that that you know we individually i have to have my relationship with God. There's nobody else that can do it for me. And all throughout life, you know, so much of the time, so much of the time we, we find and we see people that always are looking for somebody else to do something for them. But with God, in our relationship with God, it's up to us. It's up to us for salvation. It's up to us for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's up to us to, uh, to walk in the fullness of what He wants for us. Amen. And so it's very interesting that those three feasts, and we'll, we'll talk some more about that as we get into it, uh, as we get into the other, the other three feasts, uh, the fall feasts. But, but it's very interesting that those things, those are the ones that he said that you have to go present yourself, each one of you have to go to Jerusalem and, sh- and present yourself before the Lord because it's a personal relationship with him. Amen? So let's look in Leviticus 23. And tonight we're going to be talking about the Feast of Trumpets. Um, and, and let's read a little bit of Scripture, and then we'll, we'll delve into this. It's in Leviticus 23, verse 1, And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, Concerning the feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be a holy convocation, even these are my feasts. And remember, we talked about how that the word feasts, uh, is another word that we could you could put appointed times, and actually, I think the amplified even says um, yes, the amplified actually says the set feast or the appointed seasons of the Lord. Amen. so you know, so the feasts are appointed times where God says, these are appointed times, these are my times that i 've set aside and, and, and he says in here, these are his feasts they 're not israel 's feasts because if it said that they were israel 's feasts then we could look at it and say, well, that's not for me because that's for Israel. But God said, they're my feasts, and they're my appointed times. And God said, I want you and me to meet at this appointed time every year. He said, I, I put, you know, he lists seven here. There's actually like nine and possibly even ten that the Jewish people celebrate. Some of them celebrate one extra one. but And, and we'll look at the other ones that are not listed necessarily here Um you know, because there's like the Feast of Purim, which is like the... It celebrates Ruth and that story of Ruth and Boaz. Then there's Hanukkah, like around Christmas time, And then there's one more that, um, you know, that they consider holy feast to the Jewish people. So he says that um, concerning the feast or the appointed times of the Lord, that their holy convocations, and that word convocations we talked about, was a rehearsal. You know, and and, if, and, and I know all of you been in weddings and had your own wedding and stuff... And you know, you know in the rehearsal, you go through the rehearsal so you'll know what to do when the, when the real thing comes. And so what he's saying is this, what he told them, he said, these, he said these appointed times in the Old Testament, he said these are dress rehearsals, so to speak, for what's going to happen in the future. And, and like we said, the first three that we looked at, the Pas- or actually the first four, excuse me, Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread... The first fruits and Pentecost has already the 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 dress rehearsal. They had the dress rehearsals, and guess what? They've been fulfilled. Jesus fulfilled those three the you know Passover unleavened bread and first fruits when he died on the cross. He went to hell. He was in the grave, and then he was resurrected. Those three were fulfilled by him, and then and then Pentecost was fulfilled when the Holy Spirit was poured out. So Israel, now Jewish people, you, you understand, Jewish people still celebrate those because they're still looking for the Messiah to come. They don't believe that, they don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, the, the biblical Messiah. They're still looking for the Messiah to come. So they still celebrate these feasts like they're expecting Him to come. And, uh, and you know, so, but we, we look back on it, knowing, having Scripture, we look back on it knowing that they're fulfilled and the, the importance of that is that Jesus, now we can look back on it knowing Jesus is our Passover. He is our unleavened bread. He is our first fruit. He is, you know, the Holy Spirit is uh, what we celebrate at Pentecost because we're filled with Him now and and He lives on the inside of us. So if you'll skip down to, uh, we'll skip down to verse 23 and we'll start looking at the, the three fall feasts. So there was a space of time between Pentecost and about three or four months between Pentecost and, and the Fall Feast, which, which is the Feast of Trumpets. And here it says this, um, in verse 23, it says, And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, <coughs> excuse me, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, shall be a Sabbath, a, mem- a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation you shall do no severe work therein but you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the lord so so those two verses verse 24 and 25 is all that we're told about the feast of trumpets and actually even here it's not even called it's not even it's not even called the feast of trumpets it just says that it's that it's a holy day and and then you know other in, in uh, numbers it gives a little bit more detail but but basically here's what the the feast of trumpets is is a interesting Feast probably out of the seven is probably the most interesting because every other feast like we talked about Passover was remembrance of of what God did for them in Egypt. Unleavened bread was remembrance of them being coming out of Egypt fast, you know, without they didn't have time to put the leaven. First fruits was a harvest feast. It was a feast that celebrated the harvest. Pentecost was a feast of the give or a remembrance of the giving of the law. When you come to trumpets, all that is said about trumpets is this. On the first day of the month, on the first day of the seventh month, is going to be a is going to be a Sabbath to you. And here's what you're to do: you're to blow a trumpet. And that's all he said. And you know, and then and then he goes into the next feast, which would be the feast of uh, the the day of Atonement, which was ten days after that. So you know, so we've got some things to fill in here. What what is it about the feast of trumpets? Um, I told you last week. That a lot of people believe that Jesus will come again, that the rapture of the church will happen on the feast of trumpets. Why? And you know why is that? Why do people believe that? Well, because everything that has happened up to this point, um, God has done very line upon line. You know, he fulfilled he fulfilled Passover on Passover. <laughs> he fulfilled the you know Jesus died on Passover. He laid in the grave during the feast of unleavened bread. You know, he was in the tomb for three days during the feast of unleavened bread. When he the, the and when he was resurrected, the day he was resurrected was the day of first fruits. I mean, you know, when they celebrated first fruits, they celebrated the 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 first of the harvest. That it, that was the day that Jesus was resurrected on. So the next the next feast, and of course, then Jesus told them to go to Jerusalem and wait. For the promise of the Father. Well, when did the promise of the Father come? When Pentecost was fully come. So on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out. That fulfilled that feast. So, you know, so, so when we look at the different feasts and how God always shows up and how God does things, He always does things. It seems, it seems like throughout Scripture, His, His track record, we'll put it that way. If you, if you search the, search the Scripture and look at the track record, He does things on those feast days. As a matter of fact it's interesting that you know we 've had here in the last uh, gosh i don 't know five six years probably maybe ten years we 've had you know so much so much uh, um, attention drawn to like the blood moons and and all of these things and it's very interesting that when you do this study and, and i should have i had a sheet that a sheet of paper that showed all this and talked about all this and i didn 't bring it but but it's very interesting that when when a blood moon or a um, solar eclipse or a, a lunar eclipse happens on uh, one of the day of the feast, one of the feast days, something significant always happens in, in, for the Jewish people. And as a matter of fact, if you remember, the, um, the, when, when it's a solar eclipse, when it has to do with the sun, it's, it's, uh, the solar eclipses are not necessarily as bad as the lunar eclipse because... The children of Israel, remember the Hebrew nation, and, and and everybody at that time, really, they based everything off of the moon, and you know we've we've went through that time and again how their their calendar was based off of the moon, and it was like 29 and a half days, so there was they're like two and a, two and a half days short of 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 the the calendar, the 365 day calendar we have, so once every four years they have to add an extra month. So that they keep their so that they keep their calendar uh, or actually it 's eleven days a year is what it is, so every fourth year they they have to add a month to their calendar so that they keep their harvest feasts you know at the right time and every time that there 's been a a lunar eclipse or like a blood moon or a you know one of those type things, every time that that has happened on a on a day of the feast there 's been like earthquakes there 's been wars there 's been um, you know, natural disasters, things like that. Within within like twelve to twenty four months of that of that uh, lunar lunar eclipse happening, or that you know things the the signs in the heavens, so to speak that that when something like that happens when it falls on a day of the feast, you know, like a Passover or a you know a first fruit or or a Pentecost or something like that, then it, it always brings significance. And the reason that is is because um, well, I mean, there's a number of reasons why, but, but throughout history, you'll see that, that it's always, any time that something happens to the moon, it's it like, it, you know, the, they pay attention to it, and because they base everything, they base everything off of the moon. Now, you have to think, and, and we're going to see for tonight when we get into this, you know, we, we don't really think much about it, because we've got, we've got our phones, we've got calendars, we've got computers that keep track of the days and keep track of the you know, our, our calendar and everything like that. Think about back in that day, when they based everything off of the moon, man, they had to have very sophisticated record-keeping processes to know what day of the month it was, and what day of the, you know, what month it was, and what year it was, and, and all this stuff, because, because they didn't have calendars, they didn't have uh, computers to keep up with this. So it was very, they had a very elaborate, sophisticated system that, that, they, that they kept up with their, with their calendar, so to speak. And it's, it's very interesting here that on, the, on the, the Feast of Trumpets, now let's start talking about the Feast of Trumpets. The Feast of Trumpets is the, only, is the only feast that falls on the first day of the month. And the reason that that is important is this, is because the first day of the month comes after, the first day of the month is always the first sliver of the moon that they see. You know, so when they when they see the first sliver of the moon, they know that that is the first day of the month. Well, all the other feasts, for example, like Passover, happened on the 14th day of the first month of, you know, of, of Nasir. So so they knew, once they saw that sliver, they knew in 14 days that Passover would be there if it was in that first month of the year. And so forth and so on. The other ones were, you know, on the 10th day or on the 15th day or whatever. But for for the Feast of Trumpets... It came after a new moon. And the problem with that is this. The Feast of Trumpets is the only feast that they didn't know the exact day that it would happen. There was a two-day period that, that they would say that they would, that they would prepare for it. But there was a two-day period in which you know they waited on the moon to show that first liver. And here's how they did this. They would have two witnesses that would, that would come to the city of Jerusalem. And when, when, they, when they saw the first sliver of the moon, they would show up in Jerusalem and they would go before the, the Supreme Court of that day, the Sanhedrin, and they would testify that they've seen the, the sliver of the moon and that that was the first day. You know, that they're, they're saying, okay, we saw the sliver and both of them testified, both of them witnessed to the fact that they saw the, the first sliver of the moon. So that was the first day. But it was not until the high priest the high priest, the leader of the Sanhedrin uh, group there, it was not until he proclaimed that, okay, we've got enough witness, we've got enough testimony, so today is the first day. So it could be, it could be like on this day or it could be on this day. It was whenever the high priest said, this is when it is. And when, when the high priest said, okay, today is the first day, then they would send messengers throughout the, throughout the countryside telling people, today is the Feast of Trumpets. They would take a torch, and they would put it up on, on the top of the Mount of Olives, which, which is one of the highest points in Jerusalem. And they had lookouts and all the, other, all the other high points and all throughout Israel. And when they saw the torch on the Mount of Olives, they would put torches on, their, on the top of their mountains, and then everybody would see the torches and they would know that it was the first day. They would know that it was the, the Feast of Trumpets, the first day of the seventh month. And you might say, well, why, is, why are you saying all that? Why is, why is that important? Because if Jesus, if it is true that Jesus will return on the Feast of Trumpets, which you know a lot of people believe that, that, that one day that when he returns that it will be on the Feast of Trumpets because of the track record of, of the way God has always done that, People always say, well, what about the scripture that says, no one knows the day or the hour? You know, and that's the scripture everybody says. That, you know, you can't say that it's going to be on the Feast of Trumpets because, because then you're going to say you're setting a date and the Bible says that you'll not, nobody knows the day or the hour. Well, I just explained to you that the Feast of Trumpets was the only festival, the only feast where they did not know the exact start date of it. Nobody knew when it was going to start. Nobody knew the day. Nobody knew whether it was going to be this day or this day. Nobody knew the hour that the high priest would finally say, "It starts right now." So so the feast of trumpets was the only feast that they would say that we don't the feast of trumpets was the uh, was the feast that nobody knows the day or the hour that it starts. And then so when Jesus would say, when Jesus would say, "No one knows the day or the hour," then of course they they didn't que- you don't see them questioning that you don't see them saying well tell us tell us when tell you know why can't we know why don't we know you don't see anybody questioning that because they knew because i believe they knew the 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 principle of the feast of trumpets that they nobody knows the exact day or the hour so when jesus said that that was almost that was almost code word for saying that, you know, on this feast, nobody knows the day or the hour. Nobody knows when it's going to happen. So be ready. So what was the Feast of Trumpets? Why is that important? The Feast of Trumpets came ten days before the Day of Atonement. And here's why that's important. Because Jewish tradition had this. Um, and man, there's, I mean, you know... Uh, you can find Scripture for some of this, but a lot of this just has to do with tradition, the Jewish tradition. And there are Scriptures that back some of this up. But here's the, here was the tradition that the Jewish people had. They said on the Feast of Trumpets, the reason that you would blow the trumpet was an alarm. And it was an alarm saying, get ready because God is about to judge our nation. On the Day of Atonement, what was the Day of Atonement? We're going to look at that next week, but the Day of Atonement was the day that the high priest would... It was the one day a year that the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies and offer the blood for the sins of Israel and the Jewish people. So they had to prepare. The high priest had to prepare himself. And tradition had it that God, on the, day, on the Feast of Trumpets, on the first day of the seventh month, that God would open books. And he had a book for the, for the people that did bad, and he had a book for the people that did good. And then he had another book for the people that was kind of in between. And you had ten days from the day they blow the horn, the first trumpet, you had ten days to to do good works so that your name could be moved from either the, the middle book or the bad book over to the good book. And then on the Day of Atonement, God would pronounce, these people are clean for the year. And a blessing would be put on him, or he would announce these people. Their sacrifices were not accepted, and they were cursed for that year. So, so they, you know, the trumpets. Because what is a trumpet? You think throughout scripture, throughout scriptures, there's always uh, the sound of the trumpets. And what was the trumpets called for or used for? Like, for example, the in the scriptures, the trumpets signify uh, a couple, a bunch of different things. But one of the things was a call to assembly. If you remember, they would, they would blow the trumpets to get everybody to come together, to meet. It was a command to move out. In, um, this is interesting. In, in uh, Numbers chapter 10, when the children of Israel were marching, and, and this is always one of those things that amazed me, because, you know, you had you, if you remember, when they, when they came out of Egypt, the Bible tells us, and, and nobody knows the exact number, but somewhere between like 3 to 10 million people. Could you imagine trying to move that many people? and they did this for forty years they moved around that area with that many people for forty years and they would set up the tabernacle they would set up or set up the the tent that had the ark of the covenant in it and then they would camp out all around it how in the world did they communicate with those people in Numbers chapter ten it said they had two horns they had two trumpets they would blow the first one and it was a call to assembly in other words they knew something was getting ready to happen so it would draw them to attention when they blew the second horn, it was a call to move out. And the, trump, the second trumpet, it was a call to move out. And they would blow the trumpet in different directions, and whichever direction the trumpet would blow, that was the, direct, that was the group of people that would move out next. So that was symbolic of what we're getting ready to see here on, the, on the, the, the different pattern of what they do on the Feast of Trumpets. On the Feast of Trumpets, on that day, it says it's a Sabbath, so they do, they do no work and it's a holy day, and they go through these elaborate procedures. And they blow different trumpets. And the, the trumpets, they make a, about somewhere close to 100 different blasts of the trumpets. And each one of them is significant. Each one of them means something else. For example, the, the four main ones are this. The very first one is uh, Takiyah, and it's one long blast. You know, So they take the ram's horn, um, they take the ram's horn, and they blow it with one real long blast. And what does that do? That is the alarm. That is saying, wake up. You know, the Feast of Trumpets is here. Wake up. And then after, the, after that alarm, or after that trumpet blow, they would they would blow another trumpet, and it would be the, and I'm probably butchering these names, but it would be what they call the shavarim. And it was three one-second notes uh, rising in tone. In other words, it would be like, you know, you know just like one second blasts and and each time it would go higher and higher and higher what that was symbolic of was if you remember in exodus chapter 19 when when god came down to meet with the children of israel the bible says that when god came down up on the mountain when the people came out of their tents what was it that they heard they heard like they heard noise like trumpets and it said and it said, the noise of the trumpets got louder and louder and louder. And then Moses was called up to the mountain. And, and that is a picture of, of what we're talking about here. Exodus 19 is a, is a, is a picture of the rapture of the church. And, and I'll, I'll explain that in just a second. The third one, the next one, they would do the one long blast, then three, like, one-second blasts. Then the next one is the turora, and it was nine quick short blast so it's just like real like almost like a you know like if you were hitting a button on a phone like beep 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 beep. they would do it nine times and it would just be real quick for nine blasts and then the last one that they did in this this succession was the tekiah Hagabdala or something like that I don't know but it was the it was the longest and the loudest blast of all of them and what the guy would do that was blowing it he would take one deep breath and blow that ram's horn until he ran out of breath. And normally it lasted about 10 seconds. You know, it's about how long that they could blow that thing. And sometimes it would be longer and sometimes shorter. But the interesting thing is this. Let's look at a couple scriptures, because because when it talks about the the trumpets blowing, when when you think about the trumpet blowing, what do you think of? Let me ask you that. Anybody have a thought? When you think of the trumpets blowing from scripture, what, what comes to your mind? The Rapture, right? I mean, because and let's let's look at these two scriptures that talk about that. Turn to First uh, Corinthians. No, actually, first let's look at First Thessalonians four. First, First Thessalonians four. Amen. <clears throat> and man, and, like, and and I'll tell you the same thing that I've told you every week. I'm just hitting the high spots. Okay. I mean, you could do. Uh, you, could do, you could do five or six teachings on this, you know, and go so in-depth on, on all, all this that I'm talking about. But in thir- First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, the Scripture says this, For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. All right, there it is, the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So, and, so that's the scripture that First that Thessalonians talks about. Now turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And this is the other scripture that talks about the trumpet. First Corinthians chapter 15. And look at verse 52. Verse 51 says this, Behold, I, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, there's, you know, there's that trumpet, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed." So, those two scriptures talk about two, they're actually, they're actually talking about two different, like if you, if you look at the language in, if you look at the original words in that word, in the, in the, in the original Hebrew, uh, or the original Greek, I mean, it, it actually uses two different words for those two trumpet blasts. So actually, there'll be two separate trumpet blasts. The first one is going to be for the dead in Christ to rise. And then the second one, which will happen, you know, just like just like we talked about, how that there was four the the, di- the four different sounds that happened real quick. I mean, you know, when when they when they pronounced the day of the day of trumpets, the feast of trumpets, they would have the first one, which was one long blast, which was an alarm. That's actually the word that's used in First Thessalonians that says that that trumpet blast is the is the alarm that that the dead in Christ shall rise first. When that trumpet blows, you see because, and Joseph Morris has done a great job teaching this if you've you've been here when he's taught this, that, you know, there's very little said directly about the rapture of the church. Now there's a lot said about the second coming, and a lot of people get those two mixed up because there's the rapture of the church when Jesus is going to appear in the air, but the second coming is when Jesus will descend and actually put his feet on the ground. At the rapture of the church, he's, not, he's, he's going to show himself in the air, but his feet are not going to touch the ground. And that's why it says that we're going to meet him in the air. So at the rapture of the church, he's going to descend, and he's going to, he's going to appear in the clouds. The trumpet's going to blow. The dead in Christ is going to rise. Then just, I mean, we're talking about split seconds here. The dead in Christ will arise. Then another trumpet will blow. And then we which are alive, we will be changed immediately in the twinkle of an eye and caught up with... with you know, caught up with those that, that are in the grave that, that, were, that, were, that have passed away, the ones that are dead in Christ, and we're going to meet them in the air and then we'll go on to be with Jesus for the, for the seven years while the tribulation period is happening on the earth. Now, <clears throat> next, next week we'll look at the Day of Atonement and, and we're going to see, it's very interesting because, um, you know, pe- different people believe different things about the tribulation, some people believe that the church will be raptured pre-trib, you know, and, and I'm, I'm, of the, I'm of the persuasion of pre-trib. I believe we're going to be gone out of here before the tribulation starts. I believe that, that actually the, the rapturing of the church is what's going to release the tribulation. I believe the church is what's holding back the judgment right now because the judgment that, you know, our Jesus took our judgment upon, it, upon him so we can't be judged again because Jesus already took our judgment. What the, what the tribulation period is, is actually this. The tribulation period is retribution for Israel for the 70th week that, like in Daniel, if you study the book of Daniel, he talks about the 70 weeks. Actually, if you do the, if you do the math in the book of Daniel, only 69 of those weeks have, have happened. There's a a week short in the book of Daniel. Well, that week, that 70th week of the book of Daniel is the seven years of tribulation that God still owes Israel for rejecting him. So so we as the church, we can't be on the earth at that time because because God can't judge us because our judgment's already been put on to Jesus. So we'll be in heaven, we'll be doing the marriage supper of the lamb and and participating in all those activities and everything which is a whole other subject while the tribulation period is going on down here while the judgment of god is being poured out and and he catches israel up for those that 70th week of of uh vengeance then after that after the tribulation period that's when the second coming will happen. That's when Jesus will come back. We'll come back with him. We'll be back with him. And he'll put his feet on the Mount of Olives and, and, and you know enter into the eastern gate there in, in, in Jerusalem. And that's when the, the, uh, he'll set up his kingdom on the earth and we'll have the millennial reign, the thousand-year reign, which the Feast of Tabernacles is actually the picture that, or the, the feast that will be fulfilled during the millennial reign. The the day of atonement will be fulfilled during the tribulation period. It'll be the seven years that atonement is made, that that judgment is poured out on on the you know Israel gets caught up on that judgment. The the Gentiles and the the ones that don't believe in him they'll get they'll get that judgment poured out on them during that the seven year tribulation period. All of this, I mean, this, all of this is so amazing when you look at scripture when you see how, how all of this just lines up just line upon line. So, um, so you can so with everything we've said. Now, this is this is interesting as well because Satan figured out. I believe Satan figured out that the feasts were important to God because when you go through Scripture and you find out all the times that Satan really attacked Jesus and that he attacked his disciples, it was always during the feasts. Like, like for example, I, I mean, I just wrote down like seven of them here. In John chapter five, during the Feast of Passover, the Jews sought to slay Jesus in John chapter uh, John chapter six, the Feast of Passover again the storm on the Sea of Galilee happened during the Feast of Passover that when that storm come up and Jesus was sleeping and and they about drowned and you know that was during the Feast of Passover John chapter seven during the Feast of Tabernacles Jesus uh, you know, everybody sought Jesus and was trying to arrest him. They were asking everybody, was he going to show up at the feast? That was during the Feast of Tabernacles. You know, so so Satan always stirred people up during these feasts. John chapter 10, during the Feast of Dedication, or what, what is now known as Hanukkah, they sought to stone Jesus. And that's where the Bible says he hid himself and walked right out through the midst of them. It was, it was uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread in Luke chapter 22 when Satan entered Judas. You know, they were, they were having the Feast of Unleavened Bread when they were eating together. And, and the Bible says that Satan entered into Judas, and that's when he left and betrayed Jesus. In uh, Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, what happened when the Holy Spirit was poured out? Immediately, persecution came. You know, if, if you remember, it says some of them mocked. Some of them, you know, and from that day forward, you know, persecution came to the church. Acts chapter 20, during the Feast of Pentecost, was when Paul was arrested. You know, so you can see that it was always during these feasts that Satan would reach out, and Satan tried to cause chaos, and he would try to bring, he would try to stir people up, and he would try to, you know, try to try to make make chaos in that. Look at uh, Luke chapter twenty one, and we'll I'll try and tie all this up together here, and and um, see if we can make some sense out of it. Luke chapter twenty one. <clears throat> And we'll just start reading in verse 29. This is Jesus talking about the end times here. He said this in Luke chapter twenty uh, twenty-one, verse twenty-nine, he says, And Jesus spake unto them a parable. And he says, Behold, a fig tree and all the trees. When they are now and when they when they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So likewise, ye, when you see these things come to pass. Know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Now remember, he's teaching about the end times. And, and when Jesus, when the scriptures were talked about that no man knows the day and the hour, he did he's, and, and actually that's found in like three different of the Gospels, but one of them, one of them the scripture right above that, he talked about you know the season but no man will know the day and the hour. And this is kind of what he's talking about here. He's like, you know, when you see the figs on the trees, you know that it's a certain time of season. And he said, so it is with you that when you see these certain things happen, you know the kingdom of God is nigh. In other words, you know that something's getting ready to happen. He says, verily I say unto you, verse 32, verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all this be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away but my words shall not pass away. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with uh, with suffocate and drunkenness, and the cares of this life, and so that that day become upon you unaware. So see, notice he said. He said, and, and this goes right along with what we talked about Sunday. Some of the scriptures don't don't become so don't fit in so much to the world that you're not aware of what's happening in the spiritual world. He said, don't find yourself unaware of that day that's coming just because you're caught up with what the world's doing. And so he's telling them that they can know when he's coming. Now he goes on to say this. He says, "For verse 35, he goes on to say this. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Verse 36, he says, Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the son of man. So he told him he says you've got to be ready. You've got to be prepared. And you know we we talked about how that the Jewish tradition said that um you know for the feast of trumpets it said that God would open the books and and actually the 10 days uh, I forgot to mention this like the first day the first day of the 7th month is it actually is what's called you probably heard this term uh, Rosh Hashanah and it's the first day of the Jewish New Year, the secular calendar, Jewish New Year. And if you remember, God reset their calendar when, when Passover happened. And he said that was going to be their first month. But the, but the secular calendar, the, and, and what happened in that was when, when Babylon um, overthrew Jerusalem and, over, and after, you know, after the Bible was finished and everything, Babylon overthrew Jerusalem and they, they had such a hatred for God that they tried to take God out of the whole system. So, they, so they, tried to, they tried to make sure that none of these holy days would, would fall on certain days or certain times. So they, they kind of tried to change the whole calendar back and, and discount what God said. And they went back to say, oh no, you don't need to listen to what God said. This is, this is the first, this, you know, uh, Tissera, the seventh month of the year, actually th- that was a Babylonian term that meant beginnings. So they said this is the first day of the year. So on on the first day of Tishrei, which is actually the Feast of Trumpets, that is actually Jerusalem or Israel celebrates that. The secular side of of the Jews celebrate that as their new year. But actually, you know, it's the for God, He says it's the seventh month of the year, you know, because because of the way that just the way He redid the calendar uh, for them. And we you know we've talked about that in the past. But but the first the on the Feast of Trumpets. From the Feast of Trumpets, there's ten days that happens from the Feast of Trumpets until the Day of Atonement. Those days are known as Days of Awe, A-W-E, Days of Awe. And what that is, is that people will go about doing good, and they and like I said, they go and do good deeds and good work and service. And, and if you've got an enemy, you try to make things right with them. And, and it's days that, that they try to reconcile things because they know that the Day of Atonement is coming. And they try to prepare themselves, they try to, they try to get themselves ready so that when the Day of Atonement comes, when, when judgment is pronounced, whether, whether blessing or cursing, that God will bless them and not curse them. And here Jesus is saying, you know, be ready, pray always, that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So Jesus told them, he said, listen, said, you can know know when this is happening. But, you know, you may not know the exact day, you don't know the exact hour, you don't know exactly when he's coming, but you can know the season. You can know, you can, you know, you can sense, you you know, if you're ready and you're prepared and you're, and, you know, and and all throughout scripture, listen, we can show you the, uh, we can turn to the parable about the ten virgins, about having oil and being ready, having oil in your lamp. And being ready, prepared, and not having to go out and, and look for you know look to be filled again. I mean, you know that's that's another picture of being prepared for the bridegroom when he comes. the, the whole you know the whole imagery of of uh, the the Jewish wedding is is a whole nother thing. I, I didn't, don't even have time to get into that. But the whole imagery of the Jewish wedding is all about is all about the you know the the bride the bridegroom coming to get his bride. And you know, in you and I, we're called the the bride of Christ. You know, so so we. I mean, all of that whole thing is is focuses right around all of this and about how that, um, you know, what I mean, you know, about what the what the scriptures say about um, about the the feast and about the feast of trumpets and about Jesus coming back. So, so with, with the final three trump, or the final three feasts, here's here's what they represent. The Feast of Trumpets represents, and most people will agree this. You have some that, that don't. And you have some people, uh, man, I'm all over the place tonight. But you have some people that don't believe in the, you know, some people believe like in mid-trib. We, uh, you know, I was sharing with you that I believe that, you know, I believe, I believe I'm going to be pre-trib. If you want to be mid-trib, hang out for three and a half years and all that mess, and I'll see you in heaven in three and a half years. You know, I'm going on the first bus. Amen. But the people that are mid trib, a, a lot of them talk about that the, the trumpets uh, coincide with the seven trumpets in Revelation. And they talk about that at the seventh trumpet in Revelation is at the midpoint of tribulation, the midpoint of the tribulation period. And they talk about that's when the rapture of the church is going to happen. But the biggest problem with that is that John, I mean, that Paul, when he wrote, when he wrote 1 Corinthians and even Thessalonians, he wrote those books like in A.D. Uh, fifty four. Okay, John didn't write Revelation to A.D. ninety six. So, so there was a fifty year span there, or forty year span. That that uh, if 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 it was you know if it wasn't, for example, like when Paul wrote uh, when he wrote First Thessalonians. If you read First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians um answer some questions about like he wrote 1 Thessalonians and sent the letter to them, They sent back to Paul and said, Well, we have a question about this. So so he wrote the sec- he wrote the book of 2 Thessalonians to answer questions about what he said in 1 Thessalonians. And because they didn't understand. They needed clarification on something. If when Paul was talking about the trumpets, when he's talked about the trumpet of God and the last trumpet, if they if they had questions about it, Paul would have had to write to them again and and clarify that. Nobody said anything about it. Nobody, you know, we don't have any record of Paul having to clarify himself whether he meant the feast of trumpets or whether he meant, you know, the seven trumpets in Revelation. The the reason is, is because at the time that he wrote that, everybody just understood that that last trump was the the last trumpet that was was the last trumpet blown there in the feast of trumpets on the day of the feast of trumpets. And when John wrote the book of Revelation 40 years later, when he talks about the last trumpet, those trumpets are totally different than what Paul talks about in 1 Thessalonians and 1 Corinthians. Uh, you know, so there's, there's, there's different trumpets that happen throughout the Scripture. And so, so the people that believe in trib. That's one of the things that they that they talk about and and say well the the trumpets are are the trumpets in tribulation or in, in revelation, but it can't be that because because Paul had this revelation forty years before John had his you know so that's one of the that's one of the things that we point to um you know so so here he tells us that we can know we can know. We can know the season is going to happen. Now, that doesn't mean that we, that we pinpoint a day and we say, well, Jesus is returning on September 23rd or something like that. We, we don't do that because he said nobody knows the day or the hour. But we can know the season. He, he, Jesus told him, he said, don't be caught unaware. You know, don't, don't get caught up in things of the world and miss what's going on in the spiritual. Be ready. You know, stay ready, stay hooked up, stay, stay connected, and if you stay connected, you'll know. You know, you'll you'll sense, you'll you'll just have an understanding, you'll you'll have a knowing that it's coming, and you know what? I, I'm I'm convinced we're closer today than we've ever been, and and if it happens this year, then great. If it happens next year, then you know we'll need to pray a little bit harder. Amen, because because times are getting tougher, right? And you know, but but whether whether it happens or not, the key thing to know is this: is that he's always with us, Amen. and he'll help us through whatever, and, and we'll, we can make it through whatever because he's promised that, and he's faithful to his word. Amen. Any questions? And I don't. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Any questions? Or I mean, I don't know that I can answer them. But okay, go ahead. Mhm. You know, there's there's a lot of different uh, speculation about that, about the thousand year reign. I do think it's going to be we're going to be in our spiritual bodies uh, as far as those that have been raptured. Now, there, see, when I grew up, when I grew up, I was always taught that if you miss the rapture, you would not have another chance to get saved. You know that it was that if you miss the rapture, you, your fate was sealed. But that's not what the scripture says, because the scripture says that there will be people. That live through the tribulation period, that make it through the tribulation period, and there will be humans, humans like us right now that that live during the, the millennial reign. But then also the, the during the millennial reign, we those that are those that were ready, those that were saved and got caught up in the rapture and came come back with Jesus, will be in our spiritual bodies and we'll be ruling and reigning on this earth, and we'll be ruling and reigning over the humans. Does that make sense? Because, because see, here's, here's why you say that. Because the millennial, reign, the millennial reign is a thousand years where Satan, there's no influence of Satan whatsoever. He's, he's chained up and he's in the pit, okay? So the, it'll almost be like the Garden of Eden again. It'll be perfect. But see, now here, after the thousand years, the Bible says that Satan is released for a season. And the reason he's released for a season is because anybody, everybody that is going to live in eternity, live forever with God, has to make the decision for him. Has to say, I choose God over the world. You know, that I accept Jesus as my Savior, so to speak, for us today. And, and the Bible says that Satan will be released for a season and he will deceive many. To me, that's, all, that's so hard to believe that for a thousand years there will be no influence of Satan whatsoever. But when he's released for that season, for just a short amount of time, he will deceive people and get them to turn their backs on God and and, and, and not choose God. And that's when the, the battle of Armageddon happens, where everybody that, that is for God battles everybody that's against God, and then Satan is finally cast into the lake of fire forever with all of those that don't trust him. Don't trust God. Does that make sense? I mean that's a lot to take in. That's a abbreviated uh, <laughs> the ones that made it through a tribulation, they will have the opportunity to choose Christ. Yes. And, yeah. Because they have they have to have the And see and you don't if everything was perfect and they had no alternative, then they really wouldn't be choosing him. Right. Because see because because there would be no there would be no A or B. When Satan is released, he's going to present another alternative. He's going to be released saying, It's going to be the same thing as in the Garden of Eden. God is not telling you the truth. You know, if if you you know, you're he's only giving you part of it. You need to choose this, and you know, and he's lying to you, and he's you know, and and, and then all of a sudden people are going to start believing lies over so God. Just, have have just, just like you and I have to have faith today. So yes. Well, and yeah, I mean they, they get a chance to they get a chance to accept him. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you can you can live I mean, people can live and, and through the tribulation, now there'll be a lot of people killed in the tribulation, you know, through all of the disasters and through all the seven trumpets and the seven seals that are poured out. But if people make it all the way through the tribulation, those people will be saved. You know. And then and then there'll be a whole there'll be a whole new generation come into the millennial. That children will be born, families will be raised, and and the earth will be repopulated with humans through that one thousand years. And then and then at the end of that thousand years, though, all of those humans have the oppor- they have to have the opportunity to choose Jesus over, you know, to say yes to God and to say no to the world. They they you know, it's kinda like it's kinda like the reason that God put the reason God put the, the tree of good and evil in or the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. Because Adam and Eve had to, they had to have something to where God said not to touch that. And I have to make a decision to believe God and not touch that. And if I touch that, if I take that and eat that fruit that God told me not to, then I'm trusting that more than I'm trusting God. You know, and, and so it's going to be the same thing with those people that live through the millennial. For a thousand years, everything's going to be perfect. And there'll be no sin, there'll be no evil. I mean, it'll, it'll be like the Garden of Eden, but... Yes, well, Hopefully. yes, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, just like Adam and Eve knew that they walked with God and talked with God, but yet they still believe Satan over, they believed the serpent over God in the Garden of Eden where everything was perfect, you know, and it'll be the same thing with, and the Bible says that there'll be many that turn their back on God, which is, you know, some for us it's hard to believe, but you You look at us we have we have the whole scripture, we know that Satan's trying to deceive us. we know that that all of that's happening, and we still choose to to turn our back on God, you know for yeah now we we well, no, no. are going to be spirit beings ruling and reigning over well, I mean, them you know, whoever, whoever yeah,, fears. but it will be almost like a reset, yeah, 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 Robbie. yeah yeah that's right yeah yeah the antichrist he 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 will be revealed during the tribulation now, the reality is is that that say, for example, if Jesus were to return this year, the Antichrist would have to be living right now, and you know he would have to be somebody of some type of power because because it, you know, really, what's going to happen when the church is raptured? That that's when the Antichrist. That's when he's going to kind of he's going to kind of just boom be on the scene with all the answers. Here's what we need to do. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's have this peace treaty. Let's get these together. And then and then people are going to so fall in love with him that they're just going to be blinded by his deception. And for three and a half years, everything's going to be great, you know. But then at that three and a half year period, he'll set up the statue for himself, make people worship him, and just turn into. Evil, <laughs> you know, I mean, so, but he, he, will, he, will not be, he will not be revealed until the tribulation starts. In other words, we won't know, I don't believe we'll know that he's the Antichrist while we're here. When the church gets raptured, then I think that's when, that's, and, and really people won't know that he's the Antichrist until that three and a half years when he reveals himself as evil, you know. So he'll be a polarizing figure and a leader, but they won't necessarily know that he's the Antichrist. Yeah, Yeah, it ain't Trump. (laughs) Oh, and and Joseph Morris said this, and I know we got to go. Joseph Morris, one of the things he said this last time he was here, he said to show you how close we are, he said, think about this. He said, said, just think about the name of our president, Trump, and what's the name of our vice president, Pence, Trumpets, Trumpets. (laughs) Hmm, something to think about as you go tonight, right? <laughs> so that's definitely something interesting. So all right, well let me pray for you, and uh, and we'll get into some more. And if you got questions, we can we can try and answer them and and uh, the best we can. So uh, next week we'll look at the Day of Atonement, which is an, uh, an incredible day. This I mean this is one of the it's one of the most astounding days. Is the day is the day that the high priest can go into the presence of God and present you know, present the blood and, and present the offering for uh for the sins of, of the nation for, for a whole year, you know, so we'll get into that next week. So so let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for revelation and understanding, Lord. Help us help us get this and get it into get it into our hearts and so that we can understand that. Holy Spirit, thank you for answering the questions that we have and, and revealing truth to us. We pray blessings on each one tonight, Father, as we go home and thank you for blessing the rest of this week and uh, given us opportunities to be a light to shine for you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys.